where, but you have to do the claps because they go, they go, don't stop believing. Yeah, trust Hold me. Hold on to the feeling. It's so good. Uh, I'm going to listen right now. I'm going to listen to it too. I'm shook! Hello, everybody, and welcome back to everybody's favorite podcast, mine included. It's me, Ryan. And I'm joined by everyone's favorite co-host, mine included. It's Armin. Hey, Armin, how are you? I'm your favorite co-host, Ryan. I think I'm your only co-host. But I'm saying favorite even for other shows. No way. Yeah, but also I famously don't listen to podcasts, so I don't really have any other options. So I'm actually the only possible co-host that you could choose because you don't listen to any other podcast but your own, is what you're saying. Correct, and I don't even listen to my own, so... You kind of do because you are actively listening, I'm assuming, while you record the podcast. So you are aware of how the podcast goes. Actively listening is a... That's a stretch. Stretch. Um, Sounds are going into my ears. um, And I send out other sounds in reaction. If that's what listening is, then sure. Um, Right. If you're not listening to what I'm saying, then I can't even be your favorite co-host of a podcast. Well, who and why? That was supposed to be an inappropriate reaction, but it didn't come out right. <laughs> um, any hoosers, I am so excited. I'm doing a personal um, historic podcast today. It's my turn to dive deep into our history of celebrity scandals. And it's been a while. I'm so excited to get back to our roots, you know? Me too, right? You know, I had the uh, Jay-Z, Beyonce, uh, Solange scandal for my last um, historic celebrity scandal mm-hmm. review, and I'm excited to see how you follow that one up, Okay, <laughs> because that's a big one. Not to, you know, put any pressure on you, and not like you could even pivot at this point. I know, I'm like Googling <laughs> scandals that are bigger than Beyonce. I just read a page six article. The thing is, nobody is bigger than Beyonce. Yeah. Is anybody bigger than Beyonce? One could argue, but like they would lose the argument. Right. Yeah. Um, That's true of almost anything. You can argue, but you would lose the argument if the argument wasn't good enough. I will say that the general topic of today's... um, scandal has Beyonce ties. Ooh. Well, right. I'm excited because, you know, I hadn't done a historic celebrity scandal in a very long time. So it was fun for me to tell you a story. But I'm also excited to hear a story from you for the very first time in a long time. (laughs) I have to say. Thank you. I'm stoked to be able to give you that honor of listening to me speak. Um... Do we go into the guessing game? I think we go into the guessing game. Just to clarify, <laughs> Beyonce has nothing to do with the scandal. It's it's like a very, like, you'll get it once you know what it's about. She technically touches the general topic. 
but like she doesn't come up at all. Just don't want to like have Beyonce's legal team after me. I know Beyonce's legal team pours over every you know second of this podcast just to yeah. see if there's any slander um, or anything defamation worthy. Right. So shout awesome. out to the legal team. But um, yeah, I guess we'll get into the guessing game. The guessing game. That's a pre-recorded sound, everyone. Mm-hmm. I made sure I was really on key when we recorded that. As you could tell, that was flawless notes. Um, recorded a long time ago and not just said in the moment right now as we're recording. Right, pre-recorded, auto-tuned, just to make it sound really perfect. Um, okay, so I guess the first hint that I have to give you is this story is not one specific scandal. It is a bundle of controversies and scandals that all have one core thing in common. Is the core thing in common a person? No. Okay. So is this college admissions scandal-esque? I know it's not the college admissions scandal, I, I would hope not. What if I was... We had spent the last year and a half covering it in detail on many podcasts. Um, but I'm just it... going to sum it up in an hour. Um, no, it's not college admissions scandal-esque. It's more... I don't know. I, I feel like if I give you more hints... If I give you like a more specific hint, you're going to guess in a second, which is fine. It's more so... There's one cultural phenomenon okay that skyrocketed a group of actors to fame and then a lot of bad things happened to those actors <laughs> since hmm do you know yeah i know because i know this and is on is, your mind which makes this one, a somber podcast it's somber, but we're going to make it, you know, we're going to make it in memoriam. We're going to make it in, yeah. um, in remembrance. We're going to make gonna, it gleeful. We're going to make it gleeful, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I was, like, doing the research for the first time ever. I've never done research with this podcast, famously. <laughs> um, and was like, is this, like, too depressing? <laughs> it could be. It, it really could be. It's almost a too-soon podcast, I would argue. But let's do it, right? We have okay. no limits on this pod. We have no rules. We don't have limits. And Can we acknowledge that I, that I did just guess correctly? You did. It is... Glee. It's Glee. And my title for my hashtag research um, document is The Glee Cast Curse. This because is they're... not an invention of yours, by the way. I have heard no. of the Glee cast curse in the pop culture zeitgeist, if you will. And I actually heard of two more uh, like bad things that have happened to people connected to Glee through this research. That was not as big news. Um, so there's even more to it than you really know about. Obviously, there's three really big events that I think everyone knows about. But I have a couple little ones in here that I found out about through reading um, one article. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> but I just wanted to, I think I want to start off because I know it is a little bit more serious of a subject. It's tragic. Obviously, a lot of the cast members have had some tragic 
deaths. Um, and this is a comedic podcast. I just want it to be clear from the start. I'm not like making jest of any of these tragedies. I was a huge gleek when this show came out. I was absolutely obsessed. I respect all of the like actors on this show. And this is more of a tribute to them than it is trying to make light of the situation. Obviously, because you guys listen to this podcast for our incredibly natural, insanely funny senses of humor. Um, I do want to make it fun. I do want to like kind of talk about like funny moments, but just know that this is out of pure respect for the cast of Glee because the show was a cultural phenomenon. It was groundbreaking at the time. It, you know, like I said earlier, skyrocketed these actors to like overnight fame almost. And it's a really cool show as terrible as it can be at times as cheesy, tacky and awful of a show it is. It still has a big place in a lot of people's hearts. And that's why I think all of these things that happened affected people so strongly because it does have such a like really huge, you know, following. I do have to say, Rye, there is precedent for this type of episode on this podcast. I know often we rib on celebrities. We like to make fun of them. Uh, we like to make fun of celebrity culture. A lot of this podcast is satirical. If you listen, you get it. But like you said, we do respect a lot of these people's talent. Yeah. Maybe not all of their talents. Some right. are very obviously talentless. You know who you are if you're listening and you're a celebrity. Mm -hmm. But there is precedent for this sort of tribute episode, the Phil Hartman episode. Right. Great and comedian, great talent, super funny, great actor. And I loved Phil Hartman so much. So when I did that episode, that was way less about the comedy and more about the tribute and I think right here for this podcast, it's in a similar vein. So I think there is precedent uh, for this type of episode, right, in Holly Shook history. Yes, I think so, too. At the end of the day, we are a Hollywood scandal slash controversy podcast. And this, to me, is on one of the grander scales in terms of how many things have happened to the people from the show. I mean, it's a little wild if you think about it. No, absolutely. And I don't even really know the depths of it. You know, I know it on a surface level. I was not a Gleek. I haven't seen a single episode of Glee. Wait, you've never seen one single episode? I haven't seen one single episode. I only recently saw my very first clip of Glee. After Naya Rivera's death, uh. I saw a two-minute clip of her singing on the show. She's a great talent, by the way. Incredible talent. Everyone on that show was so, so talented. I am not surprised you weren't a Gleek, gonna be honest. Um, nobody is surprised that I was a Gleek, <laughs> especially in high school when I was fully closeted and still listened to the entire cast soundtrack, like, for pleasure. Are listeners stereotyping us? Is that what you're saying? No, I'm stereotyping us. Like, I... <laughs> 
like there was a part of me that I was like, I don't know, maybe Armin like watched the first season just because it was so like culturally relevant and you like usually are up on the cultural trends. I watch a lot of stuff. I've seen a lot of Ryan Murphy things and they are all very similar in the sense that they yeah. are all tacky and have that the sort worst. of yeah. yes, sense, sensibility about them. <laughs> um, I've seen Politician. I've seen his American Crime uh, shows. Mm-hmm. I've seen a few seasons of American Horror Story, but I never watched Glee. And here's the thing. Don't, you don't need to. Um, it was, I'll just get into it. I'm, I'm going to give just a very quick rundown just to, um, just to kind of set the stage for how big the show was. And even as someone who didn't watch it, I'm sure you can agree it was the show when it came out. It was everyone talking about it. I was aware of it. I was fully aware of it. It was so popular. I just never got into it for whatever reason. And it's, if you, all of our true Holly Shook OG fans, on our first ever episode when I did um, the Grey's Anatomy scandal, Mm -hmm. uh, I said I love the concept of people, unknown actors, becoming essentially overnight celebrities. That concept is just so interesting to me. Grey's Anatomy was an example of it. Glee was an example of it. Every year, there's one or two shows that I think become so popular and all these actors, like, this is the most recent, but, like, uh, Riverdale, to me, is one that, like, all of those actors are so well-known now, whatever. So Glee was very that, like... I had known Leah Michelle ahead of time because hashtag closeted gay and spring awakening was like, I was obsessed with that show and she was the lead of that show. So I knew who she was. I, but like you could argue she was the most well-known on the show pre glee, but really only for people who were into the Broadway scene. If you weren't into Broadway, you probably didn't know who she was. And there was the actress that was in 40 year old version. Hmm? The older actress, I think she plays a teacher or something on Glee, I'm assuming. Oh, like the redhead? Is she a redhead or is she blonde? Oh, wait, Jane Lynch? Jane Lynch, yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. Jane Lynch was... Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Jane Lynch was also very, very well known, but she... She was... Uh, and I found this out, actually, when I was researching. She was supposed to only be, like, reoccurring. Like, she was only supposed to be in, like, every... Like, a guest star, basically. Like, she would come in and out, like... Whatever, but then when the pilot came out, people like liked her character so much that she became kind of the big star too. Fine, okay. Jane Lynch was well known too. Wow, Anyone I didn't even wanna... watch Glee, and I know more about it than you. <laughs> Anyone else you want to expose as being famous? Um, <laughs> so whatever. It premiered, and the weird thing about Glee was it premiered in May of two thousand nine. Ooh, that's a weird premiere date for that era. Because usually shows premiered in fall. May is a very strange one ahead of summer. Interesting. Well, here's the thing. That's even weirder. They only premiered the pilot episode in May. And they were like, I remember it so distinctly. They were like advertising the living shit out of it. Like they were like just playing the previews and the clips like just over and over. I feel like it was in the same era as like American Idol. Mm -hmm. And it was like, I feel like they would advertise it during American Idol because I'm pretty sure it was Fox. Um, and I love your research, Ray. I just love it. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was Fox. <laughs> Could have been ABC. Uh, or look, even NBC. I, Who knows? 
<laughs> I researched the dirt, okay? I don't care what network the show was on 10 years ago. Like, who fucking cares? Um, That's why my notes are, like, 29 pages <laughs> long, because I'll have, like, distributed by Fox Studios, you know? Like... I mean, no one cares. I have one, two, three, four, five. I have six. I have seven pages of notes here, but, like, Ooh. not gonna lie, a lot of them are copy and pasted. So, anyway, it premiered the first episode in May hit like great viewers um the pilot had just under 10 million viewers which is really big for a first ever episode and then four months later it started the rest of the season so i feel like it was like they were gonna test the waters see if people cared about the show before they like picked it up for a full season which they did, obviously. Um, yeah, that makes sense because September is when these shows usually launch, right? Yeah. So clearly they realized, oh shit, we got a big show on our hands. Let's not play this over the summer where everyone's on vacation. Right. And like musical TV was not a thing. Like there had been High School Musical, but that was like for a very young demographic, whereas Glee is like, it was aimed equal parts towards like, younger people but like also adults could watch it like i remember my dad would watch it with us and he thought it was like fucking hilarious um there was a whole um office episode centered around them watching glee that's how popular glee was i think that was maybe one of my first introductions to the show or like my first realizations that this show is massive because they yeah. they actually centered an office episode around it where they all go to someone's house and michael scott obviously causes a scene as he does right 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 right, right. No, I mean, it was huge. It was just, it was like a, it was so different at the time that like the way they did it just captivated people. So the whole season, the whole first season was averaging around 7 million viewers an episode. Huge. After the mid-season finale, which, you know, they like, around the holidays, they stopped airing it. Um, When it came back, it was at 13 million people watching the episode after the mid-season. So huge. The season one finale, 11 million people. It was the highest rated finale of the year for a new show. It was just, it was the the hit show of the year. For season two, uh, it was given the the post-Super Bowl slot, which is the most coveted spot on television every year. Whatever show comes on after the Super Bowl is like, like, I remember it was always, like, Modern Family, because that was, like, the big show. Is it because people watch the Super Bowl? Yeah, because it's, like, okay, everyone's watching the Super Bowl, and then to have it play after the Super Bowl, like, people's TVs are just still on. And then it's, like, mm. okay, like... It'll... I was being sarcastic, right? Okay, fuck off. <laughs> I don't, like, don't be sarcastic about sports with me, like, because you know I'm going to take it seriously, because I don't actually care. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I hate everyone. <laughs> Okay, so post Super Bowl, it was viewed by 29 million people. Wow. Keeping in mind, I'm sure a lot of people were not actually watching it. Well, it's but, the 100 million people funneling in from the Super Bowl, you know, yeah. to that next show. So that's pretty huge to get like a third of the Super Bowl audience to stick around. Right. And like if you think about it, most people have Super Bowl parties, so it was like almost also like yeah, one TV was playing it, but there's probably like 30 people there. I always think about that. Anyway, by the end of the second season, each episode is raking in $2 million in ad revenue per half hour. And I'm pretty sure it's an hour show. So that's $4 million in ad revenue per episode. 
Um, the only shows making more money on ads at the time were Two and a Half Men, American Idol, and X Factor, which were also huge shows. So it was very popular is what I'm trying to get at. Um, the music was popular. The cast in 2009 had 25 singles on the Hot 100, which was the most by any artist. They would all be under Glee cast. Um, that's the most by any artist since the Beatles in 1964. Damn. Yeah. That is good company from what yeah. I've heard. Yeah. The Beatles I've heard of. Um, people people have, have talked them. about them before. I don't know if they have the like longevity that the Glee cast has. Um, true, 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 true. Like, do people talk about them today? <laughs> it's not too shabby. Um, it was nominated for multiple Golden Globes. It won the best... Uh, the best comedy or musical Golden Globe after its first season. By the way, Rai, what a fucking racket for like those producers to not only be raking in like millions on the show itself, but to also be raking in millions on the music because mm-hmm. you know they held the rights to that stuff. It wasn't the individual art artists. Mm-mm, mm-mm, mm-mm. They were getting the majority of that revenue, you know, wherever it came in. I don't know if they were selling albums. I honestly don't remember. But however was, they were distributing it, they were making the money. And so that's like double the profits right there. As a certified Gleek, um, <laughs> they did sell albums like after every season that you could buy in full. But they also would release every episode songs on oh. iTunes like that week. Wow. So like I would like... If a song was real good, I would, like, buy it on iTunes. Um, otherwise, I would, like, wait till it was on LimeWire, like, three days later and illegally download it because of who I am as a person. <laughs> Thank you for saying LimeWire. I haven't heard the word LimeWire in so long. Oh, I miss LimeWire. I was addicted. I miss all the viruses it would give your computer. Honestly, the only virus that I ever cared about was <laughs> the LimeWire virus. Bring back the LimeWire virus. Replace it with coronavirus. The days, the days that were simpler when LimeWire virus was the worst virus you had to worry about, and it was bad. No, LimeWire virus would fuck your computer up. Yeah, my dad taught me how to do LimeWire. Really? On our like family computer, yeah. Oh, I had the opposite experience. My dad was not hyped that I was using some file sharing software that wasn't the most legal. I mean, it was fully illegal, but um. <laughs> Let's just call it what it is. Um, Let's do it. It's 10 years later. There must be some sort of statute of limitations on that. (laughs) Okay, so this got a ton of Golden Globes. Won the Golden Globe for Best Musical or Best Show. Um, 19 Emmy nominations. It's first uh, season, which is crazy. For reference, the Emmy nominations came out this year. And Schitt's Creek got 15 Emmy nominations. Shout Which out to amazing. Shit's Creek. Succession but, got a bunch too. Yeah, so like these big ass shows, but like 19 is pretty crazy. Jane Lynch won Best Supporting Actress. I remember the next year, um, what's his name? Kurt Colfer. Is it Kurt Colfer? Yeah, he won an Emmy for it. Like it was critically acclaimed, it was audiencely acclaimed. Um, just people liked it. They had concerts, they went on a six city tour. Oh, I yeah, didn't know live. that. Oh my god, yeah, they did live concerts. They did it like three times. Oh, they were fucking touring too? 
This was a money-making machine. Stadium tours. Um, I have friends who went, embarrassingly enough. Oh, so you're not a Gleek. No, see, I feel like I that's mean, the threshold for Gleek. You have to have attended one of those tours. No, I mean, that was like like that was like too much. Well, you have to have a name for those people, though. Like Because if you're a Gleek, you can't call they're, them a Gleek, too, because they're another level of Gleek. Like, they're in Gleek life. You know what I mean? The people who went to the concerts, we like to call virgins. Um, <laughs> and... <laughs> to this day. To this day. <laughs> hey, hey, look. Shout out to the just, virgins out there. It's okay. Just kidding. If you're a virgin, it's fine. Honestly, like, go for it. Um, yeah. I'm essentially being re-virginized right now, so that's fine. <laughs> um, the concert was filmed. It was turned into a, a 3D movie that was in theaters. They had the Glee Project. The Glee Project was a reality show. I think it was after season three. Essentially American Idol-esque where they had people audition. They went through like a boot camp. And then the person who won at the end won a role on Glee. Shut the fuck up. I actually, I really knew none of this. I I knew none of this ancillary stuff. I knew the show was huge. I knew they may have sold music like on iTunes. But all this, right? Like, I feel like I wasn't living in the same reality as you. <laughs> well, let's just say you were straight. <laughs> um, only closeted gay men and, like, nerdy girls knew about this. But there's a lot of us in the world, so it was very popular. <laughs> yeah. Enough to make millions and millions and millions of dollars a year. The Glee Project was so random. I didn't watch the Glee Project because it was too much. Um, but Alex Newell, who is now a very big star and um, musician was one of the contestants who won on the Glee Project. Um, I think Blake Jenner, maybe too, who's pretty up and coming movie star now was from the Glee Project. So it's just really random. Um, Point being of all of that background, just trying to set the stage for anyone who maybe wasn't a Gleek like Armin um, to know that this, this show was huge. The, the, the actors became very famous over the course of the, the years. Um, it was just a big deal. It was a big deal of a show, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that informs a lot of the reaction to the recent tragedies. I mean, I think mm-hmm. a lot of people were mourning it as if it were a loved one, right? Because, well, mm-hmm. guess what? When you watch someone for years and years and years and you get invested in their talent and you hear mm-hmm. their music and you watch them on television... It hits you. It hits you hard. I totally understand that. I really do. And like, I'll get into it a little more, especially with the Naya Rivera moment, but the characters were unfortunately considered semi-groundbreaking at the time because it was one of the first shows, at least for me, I was in, I want to say I was like probably, what, it was 2009, so a freshman in high school when the show came out. And... It was the first time I really saw, like, a gay love story between two men um, that wasn't, like, tabooed or wasn't, like... It was, like, a big deal on the show, but it was, like, very supported. Um, And I think especially on network television. On network television, yeah, for sure. Because I know you got that before with a show like Six Feet Under, which aired between 2000 and 2005. Yeah. The main couple in that show is a gay couple. But, like... Yeah, so, like, to that point, for a show made for 
teenagers as a main demographic, main, like a family-friendly, quote-unquote, type of network. Um, I mean, fucking, we watched American Idol, like, as a family on the same network. So, I believe, based on the non-research I did. Uh, I just realized this guy's name is Chris Chris Colfer. His character was Kurt. Um, was it? <laughs> yeah, no. Right, you can't ask me. I'm Kurt, not the no, no, Kurt, here. Chris Colfer played Kurt Hummel, and I called him Kurt Colfer earlier. Okay, so his, uh, his... You know the Gleeks are coming after you, like the real Gleeks. I know. I'm, like, nervous now. Okay, so, like... <laughs> Can we stop recording? <laughs> I feel like I'm going to be fully canceled online. <laughs> um, so him and then Darren Chris. This is how Darren Chris became um, well known. Oh, I I didn't know he was on Glee. Yeah, he's um, he plays Blaine, who becomes Kurt's love interest. They are dating. It's like very beautiful. He's a very good actor. Darren Chris is a very good actor. He is famously straight. Um, he recently said that he will no longer play gay roles, which is great because he always got cast as a gay person. <laughs> Hashtag give gay roles to gay actors. Um, anyway, so like that. And then uh, Naya Rivera's character, Santana Lopez, was kind of like the mean girl. And then she like softens up and then she like comes out as lesbian and like is in love with her best girlfriend. And like that was a really... I, I saw a lot of people online after her death like you know, talk about that being a storyline that helps them, you know, closeted, like, queer women come out um, or feel comfortable with their sexuality. Like, it was just a, it was a show with a lot of what shouldn't be groundbreaking, but at the time were groundbreaking storylines. Um, and, and to this day, I mean, I think these roles are underrepresented still. Oh, totally. And they covered a lot of things. They covered, uh, like, bullying and... I don't know. It was just a. It was just this weird cultural moment that, like, it just it presented these storylines in a way that was equal parts funny and relatable and like goofy, with a lot of heart and still brought the drama and still brought the you know screaming and crying and like dramatic moments. But they were high schoolers. I mean, they were all like fucking old, but they were playing high schoolers, so they were everything's the most serious thing in the world at the time, but it's also not. So it just, I think it touched a lot of people's emotions in a way that we weren't used to at that age. And I freaking, I'll watch a musical anytime. So like add in the (laughs) musical aspect, I'm sold. You know, like this show was made for me. I can't believe I missed out now. Well, it's on Netflix. Um... (laughs) You also said uh, that I don't need to go back and watch that. Yeah, I don't know. If you, if you didn't watch it, then you probably won't want to watch it now. But um, it was an of the moment show. It was, and I know some friends rewatched it over quarantine in a like hilarious way. There was also a ton of threads that were like, "This is a thread of the most ridiculous storylines on Glee" because it got very ridiculous. I only watched um, the first four seasons. After that, I was like, "What the fuck's going on in this room on this day?" And so I was like, "I'm over it." Um, to sum it up, the show should not have worked, let alone been that popular. But I think it's a testament to the actors and the performers on the show. They all were just, they were just so good. It was just such a, it was such a good, talented cast. And it was a diverse cast. And it was just, it was, it just, everything came together and it worked. God knows why it worked. 
God knows how it worked. I think but, I think you broke it down why it worked. Okay, and it true. was a massive success. God doesn't know how it works, but I did. <laughs> um, so what if God I'll, was Ryan um, Alkire? <laughs> okay, so I'm gonna go into <laughs> some of the controversies. I'm covering one, two, three, four. I'm covering five of the controversies. Um, but I'm obviously not gonna like go into overwhelming detail. I just kind of want to pay tribute, like I said, to these actors, um, some of whom are dead and some of them who are still alive but are dead to us. Um, And Cancel culture, if you will. Hashtag cancer culture. (laughs) (laughs) Hashtag cancel culture. Why is that so hard to say? I feel like you just said ulcer cancer, basically, but backwards. Cancer ulcer. Cancer cancer culture. Okay, so we're gonna we're gonna get to that later. Okay. Um, so obviously, the first, um, I don't even want to call it a controversy. The first tragedy we will say of the um, Glee cast curse is Corey Monteith's passing. Um, Corey Monteith played Finn, who was the lead role. You could argue oh. him and Lee Michelle were the two leads. Um. Corey was pretty much unknown. I guess he had acted a few, like in a few small parts beforehand. Wasn't even that amazing of a singer. Like he could sing, but it was just his charisma. He like, he was just so captivating to watch. He was so cute. Just seemed like the nicest guy. And his character, the character he played was like the quarterback of the football team who like got wrangled into the glee club and was like supposed to be embarrassed about it, but then like found his inner strength. And that whole, like, storyline. And he was just so, like, fun to watch and just so warm. And he was just a big teddy bear. So everyone loved Corey Monteith, breakout star of the show, one would argue. But he had a troubled past, this boy. Um, so he's Canadian. He was born in Canada. His parents divorced at age seven when he was seven not when his parents were seven. And once they divorced, he uh, saw very little of his father. He was always very open in interviews about his past. Um, He started drinking alcohol, smoking weed when he was 13. He dropped out of high school at age 16. Um, He was basically so deep into his drug and alcohol addiction, he started to steal from his family and friends to pay um, for drugs. And he was just, you know, in that world, which happens. Um, His family and friends ended up staging an intervention for him when he was 19. He ended up going to rehab for the first time and got sober. Um, He ended up getting a high school diploma in 2009 from a school. I I read at one point he, he went to like 16 different schools before he ended up dropping out at age 16. So, like, he was just all over the place. Oh, wow. So, whatever. He was sober, good. Started getting into acting, getting little bit parts. Auditioned for Glee. Um, Apparently, the protocol was you had to send in an acting video, and then you also had to send in a video of you singing. And he didn't send in a singing video, but they liked his vibe and his acting so much that they, like, reached out to him and was like, hey, we like you, but we still need to make sure you can sing as this is a musical show. Um, so he sang 
uh, the song, you know, I can't stop this feeling anymore. I've forgotten what I've started fighting for. No? Okay. No, I don't well, know that one. Can't Stop This Feeling by Aria Speedwagon. It's one of my favorite songs. Not even his cover. I just love that song. Um, and then they had him sing that song in the pilot episode. That's how he gets discovered. He's singing the song in the shower of the locker room after football practice. And the choir teacher hears him and is like, you should try out for Glee Club. So it's like full circle. And That's a very awkward setup, but okay. Oh yeah, no, it's fully him singing the song Naked in the Shower and then the Glee club like director is like hey audition and he's like i'm naked so very different times clearly that's glee you know (laughs) we we don't question the plot lines of glee anymore we've gotten past that um whatever so he is huge he like is winning teen choice awards he's hosting award shows he's just this huge star him and leah michelle actually start dating they're dating for I think they started dating like maybe after the second season aired or like during the second season. We they love a on- we love a good on-screen couple. Right, cuz like they were obviously dating in the show and then they're dating off the show. We love that. Oh wait, they were dating on the show too as like the storyline? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mhm. Oh, that's even better. The Duh. on-screen couple then turned off-screen couple. I was just referring to the fact that they share the screen together not that they were actually dating in the show's narrative oh my god you have to watch glee <laughs> okay so basically <sighs> that would be like if david schwimmer started dating jennifer aniston exactly ross and rachel hooking up on screen and in off. real life yes and not to suggest that this show was his biggest friends but it does seem like it was pretty big borderline um yeah i could go into the whole plot but basically he was like dating Quinn for Bray and then she lied about being pregnant and then he also had feelings for Rachel but he was like oh my god I might have a baby and then it found out that she wasn't really pregnant it's whole thing mm. um so high school just high school things high school things also they all look like fully 27 um so he's dating Lee Michelle it's whole thing so then in March end of March 2013 there was an announcement made that Corey Monteith had tre- uh, had admitted himself into a treatment facility, a rehab. And basically the casting crew did like an emergency uh, intervention on him while he was on set. So I guess they like could tell that he was getting back into drugs and they like pulled him aside and did an intervention. And um, the show kind of, I guess the producers like, arranged for his rehab which was really great and he went and this was during the final filming of the final two episodes of the fourth season so they found a way to write his character out of just those last two episodes they were assured him they're like we're not writing you off the show we just want you to get better and then you'll be back next season when whatever it's only two episodes he like went on vacation or something um on the show and then a month later, it was reported that he completed his treatment. He was out of rehab. Everyone's like, hip-hop array. He's like, back on his bullshit. We love it. Like, happy to see it. Then, and I remember this day very clearly. I remember exactly where I was. I feel like this has a bad ending. Do you not know what happened? I, I don't know if I know what happens. Oh, my God. 
who am I, who do I do this with? Um, so on July 13th, 2013, Corey Monteith was found dead in his hotel room at the Fairmont Pacific Rim Hotel in Vancouver. He was 31 years old. Oh my God. I remember exactly where I was when I found out. I was at my friend Lily's house. I was in her kitchen and I got like a text or saw like a news article or something. And just remember looking up at her and being like, oh my God, Corey Monteith is dead. And she's like, what? Because we both loved Glee. And it was like tragic, like insane. Absolutely. 31 years old. He was 31 years old. He was like the guy. Like he was, I guess for people who didn't watch Glee, maybe not. But like for the majority of people who watch Glee, like he was like, Oh my God, he's going to be so huge. He's going to be this huge star. Like, what a, what a find. Like, he's so great. Can I tell you something weird? I remember where I was that day, but I don't, not in relation to Corey Monteith, obviously. What do you remember about that day then? It was a Saturday, right? I don't know, Carmen. I had toe surgery that day. On July 13th, 2013? Yeah. Check, How do check you the record. That? You know me with dates, Rye. That is the most fucking random thing to remember. I mean, I've never had surgery, so maybe I'd remember the day. It's not, it wasn't a real surgery, but I, I, they called it toe surgery. But anyway. I don't even want to know what was wrong with your toe. <laughs> I don't even remember, like, my college graduation day. My friend, like, last month was like, oh, my God, happy, like, five year to the day of college graduation. I'm like, who remembers that? Like, that's so random. I think people have it set up. Uh, as notifications on their phone. That's what I assume. With me, it's just weird. But with other people, I think that's what it is. All right. Well, while you were like being dramatic about your fucking toenail, my <laughs> idol was dying. So way to make it about you. Um, Terrible, so right? Basically what happened was he was supposed to check out of his hotel that morning. He didn't check out. The staff went up to check on him, found his body. They... Ruled out foul play. There wasn't, like, a initial thing that they thought happened. The autopsy showed that he died from mixed drug toxicity. That included both heroin and alcohol. So it was heavy. Heavy drugs. Um, it was an accidental overdose. So people assume that maybe he was saying he had gotten clean or not clean. I don't like that word, but gotten uh, sober in rehab when he really didn't. And he was maybe doing it behind closed doors. And then, or, and and I'm not an expert here, um, but I've heard of this. He did get sober and he may not have touched it for a very long time. This is my very, very cursory understanding. But he went back to doing doses that he used to do um, when he was doing it more frequently, and his body wasn't acclimated to those heavy doses. Again, okay, so this I- is pure speculation, but not to speculate, you know, irresponsibly like this. Um, no, actually, you are correct. Um, <laughs> because my next note is uh, that they, like a toxicology reporter, like right. coroner, um, made a statement that said that Corey Monteith had experienced intermittent periods of drug abuse and abstinence throughout his life, aka he went through periods of being sober and not. 
But after a period of secession from opioid opioid drug use, a previously tolerated drug concentration may become toxic and fatal. So his stay in the rehab months before, plus his attempt to stay off drugs, resulted resulted in a lowered tolerance to the drug. Yeah. So that's actually very true. And your speculation was not irresponsible. It was actually correct because... He probably thought, oh, well, I've done this before. I've done this much of it before. I'll be fine. But when you aren't doing it, you know, just like with alcohol, if you don't drink for a few weeks, your first drink back is going to be hit you harder, you know? Yeah. Yeah, unfortunately, it's all too common a story. That's why I had some semblance of an understanding of of this sort of situation. Oh, that's terrible. Yeah. It's so, so, so sad. Um because it could have been avoided and it's really sad because he obviously was suffering from a disease and an addiction and you know it happens to millions and millions and millions of people all over the world and we don't even hear about it but when it's someone with such a public presence you know we all feel hard for them which is great but also you know we should feel for all the non-famous people who struggle with this type of thing. Um, And you wish that drug use like this was less stigmatized because then I think rehabilitation would be more accessible. I think alternative treatments would be more accessible. You'd have more research done. Mm -hmm. But when it's immediately stigmatized and the only acceptable answer societally is just don't use it, then I think people often feel hopeless or they feel like they have no other recourse, right? And they try really hard to stay sober, but if they have a moment where they want to go back and use the drug, they don't have the resources, they don't have all the available information. It, it reminds me of um, this class I took in college called Drugs and Society. And we actually learned about, and again, cursory knowledge, this is now trying to tap into knowledge from college like seven plus years ago. Um, but we learned about this example in Zurich where basically they made heroin legal and originally they made it legal so that anyone could access it. But then actually you needed to go and be seen by a doctor and you would actually, if needed, receive doses of heroin, but it was under the supervision of a doctor Yeah, as opposed to then having to seek out your fix, you know, through the secondary market, through the black market, through the underground market, right? Unsafely. Unsafely, in which case maybe you have an unclean needle, in which case maybe you have heroin that's cut up with maybe fentanyl, right? I know that's not the case here, but that could happen. That's dangerous. As opposed to being treated for your addiction by a doctor and the treatment in this case, in the case of Zurich, this this experiment, which has worked apparently, I think, since the 90s, if I'm not mistaken, um, is still using heroin, but in smaller doses that is safe, that is 100% clean. It makes me so angry that we don't even entertain, you know, solutions, you know, outside of, of what's seen as acceptable um, in this country. And not to go on like a super different tangent but you just sparked a moment in me that it's the same thing with like alcohol being illegal here totally 21 like pretty much any other country it's not that way right and i just noticed this when i studied in germany and lived with the host family 
They were drinking alcohol all the time, but it's casual. It's social. I went to like someone's birth, like one of my host sister's friend's birthday party. And it was like, yeah, these all, all these 16 year olds are all drinking, but they're not like pounding shots, blacked out, falling on the floor. They're just like all drinking and hanging out. And like, yeah, they're like getting drunk, but they're not like going crazy. And I just like was so culture shocked by it because I'm like, all right, well, in college, we all have to, like, sneak alcohol in our dorm rooms and, like, pound 10 shots before we go out because we can't buy alcohol once we leave the fucking dorm room. And that's why everyone goes to the hospital with alcohol poisoning or, like, gets so drunk that they're throwing up. I'm like... Yeah, there, there's a far higher frequency of binge drinking in the U.S. than anywhere else in the world. And I'm a big believer that the stigmatization of drugs leads to an unhealthy culture surrounding the drugs. Yeah, absolutely. And I just remember when I found out that Corey died from, like, heroin, I remember being like, what the heck? He's so wholesome and nice and cool, and he's just a good guy, and how could he be doing heroin? But it's like, okay, well, like, a lot of people do heroin. It's called having a drug addiction. Um, And they can look, act, and be just like the guy next door, and they can have a drug addiction still, so... It's it's crazy for us to think that, like, this is happening to people down the street from us. Um, but it was honestly the first time that it opened my eyes to, like, oh, people are doing heroin who, like, aren't the ones who, you know, we see on TV and on, like, the stereotypes of, like, drug drug users, you know. Like, he looked perfectly healthy, normal, had this huge career, but he was addicted to heroin. Well, because especially in the U.S. media, people who use heroin are portrayed as lesser than, as people who may live in some, you know, fucking dilapidated, abandoned building with, like, needle marks up and down their arms. And and that's just not the case a lot of the times. And often it's true people aren't able to be functioning heroin addicts. And, And that's why, again, I point to Zurich. Because if one of the statistics I remember was that 99% of participants went from addiction to then being able to functionally lead their lives, have families, have stable jobs, yeah. and still use heroin. Obviously yeah. not at the frequency that they, that they once did, but they had a safe outlet. I mean, not to make this a pod about, you know, <laughs> drugs in Dr- society, right? <laughs> and a, a referendum on our you know, legislation around drugs in the U.S., but that is a part of this story. It is, and as you guys know, we cover it all here. We do. We are inherently political. Um, So, yeah, it was just big. It was huge. I just remember being very sad, and, like, especially for the Gleek fandom, if you will. It was really sad, and it was, uh, to me, it was, like, kind of the first person first celebrity that I was on their whole journey with them, if that makes sense. Like Michael Jordan, not Michael Jordan, (laughs) Michael Jackson (laughs) and like other celebrities like that. It was like, they died more. So like me not really like growing up with them. But I remember just like, I discovered Corey Monteith at the same time the rest of the world did. And then we like fell in love with him. We grew, we like watched his journey. So it was really sad. Um, And they were just starting to film the next season, uh, season five. Oh, wow. And How did they handle that, Rye? Oh, girl. 
I'm about to tell you how they handled it. Oh my god. Um. So they basically had discussed that they were gonna, you know, take a break. Um. They postponed it about a month of like they post post filming about a month. Um. There is an episode in the next season. It's the third episode. It's titled The Quarterback. Um, and I stopped watching it at this point because I stopped watching sometime during season four because it got so ridiculous. Like, half of them lived in New York at this point. Kate Hudson was, like, a dance teacher. I was like, I can't do this. Mm. Um, but this episode, I watched it because I obviously wanted to see how they handled it. And they kill off his character on the show. They don't tell you how he dies mm. on the show, which was interesting. But um, his character dies, and Leah Michelle, whatever, Rachel Berry is her character's name, is living in New York with Kurt. And it's honestly a really, really, really good episode. It's fucking sad. But they pay tribute to him, his character... You know, but obviously the the craziest thing about watching that episode and even though I hadn't watched it in almost a whole season, I was like, you know, I'm still gonna I still know the characters. You can tell, like, these people are acting, but they're not acting. Like mm-hmm. it's them paying tribute to Corey and you know, his they all knew him. They worked on the show for so long. Ha- have you ever seen the final Peter Sellers Pink Panther movie? No. Okay, I haven't seen this movie in Ever. Like, I want to say 20 years. Mm-hmm. This reminds me of that because Peter Sellers died during production. Mm. And the movie starts off like any other Pink Panther movie. And then, uh, if I remember correctly, again, it's been a while. Um, they're like, what happened to Detective uh, Crusoe? Mm-hmm. And the rest of the movie is them interviewing all these different characters about like what happened to him. Mm-hmm. And they don't say how he died because nobody knows, but yeah. it feels more like a tribute to Peter Sellers, even though they are talking about the character, they're talking about the detective. Yeah. I don't know. This and reminds me of that. No, it's, it's the same thing. Like they, I don't know. I just remember being really, it, that episode, there's scenes that still stick with me. And this was freaking, you know, seven years ago. Um, like, there's a scene where Finn's dad, who's married to Kurt's stepmom or whatever, their parents are married, find out. And, like, they're just having a full-on breakdown on screen. And I'm like, oh, my God. Like, they're not even acting. Like, I mean, they are acting, but they're, like, not. Like, this is just raw emotion coming out of them. Um, the Glee Club does, like, a couple songs in tribute. And it's just, like, it's just really a sad, sad thing to watch. Um, they at one point do that really creepy song from Willy Wonka where they're in the tunnel. That part kind of threw me for a loop, but, uh, yeah, it was weird. And then they took a hiatus of the show. They, they, uh, aired like a couple more episodes after that episode. And then they took like a month break before getting back to it. But, um, yeah, that's Corey Monteith's, that's tragedy number one of the freaking. Oh my uh, gosh. I can't yeah. I can't believe that there's five of these tragedies. Yeah, that that one I will say the, yeah, that one's like the darkest, maybe. 
Um, okay, my next one, not to like scoot on past it, but you know, my next one's not as uh, detailed. There's an actress named Becca Tobin. She was on um, the seasons four or five and six. She didn't come on until season four. So I actually don't really even think I saw her because I probably stopped watching a few episodes into her being on it. Um, but she was a, a new character introduced the first episode of season four. Her name was Kitty Wild. Like all of these names are fucking ridiculous. And we all uh, knew a kitty in high school. There, everyone had a kitty. My first babysitter's name was Kitty. Okay, so this one's really short, um, but whatever her name is, Becca Tobin had a boyfriend, and his name was Matt Bendick. He was a prominent nightclub owner. He owns some big clubs in West Hollywood, all around. Um, he was on a business trip in Philadelphia on July 10th, 2014, which is almost exactly one year after Corey Monteith's death, just mm-hmm. a few days short of a year. And he was found dead in his hotel room in Philadelphia. There was no foul play and no drugs were involved. And, and also in a weird way that coroner never really like set a specific cause of death. So it's kind of weird. But they no said it was no cause foul. of death. From what I researched, and I actually did look into this a little bit more because I was like, there has to be a cause of death. They said it was like hard to say. It was just like a heart problem of some sort, but they never like classified it. His family's theory is that he had a heart attack because he was under a lot of stress because he was about to expand his nightclub to like different cities. That's why he was in Philadelphia. He was um, planning on opening a nightclub there. And yeah, they found his body in his hotel room and he was the boyfriend of the Glee actor. But it was just a weird almost to the exact date a year later of Corey's death. Eerie. Mm-hmm. Super eerie. And they said he's he was like, he didn't do drugs. He would only drink casually, like a business meeting if they like want to do drinks. But he wasn't like a big partier. So they were like, it wasn't anything like that. It must have just been like a failure of one of his hearts. One of his hearts. One just of his One body. of your many hearts. Yes. This guy was a lover. He had a lot of hearts. Um, so rest in peace to him. Very sad as well. Since the controversy, he was an ongly. Not going to spend too much more time on that. But it Fair just enough. adds layers of the Glee cast curse. Mm-hmm. Now this one, this next one is dark for a couple different reasons. So uh, Mark Salling, he was on the show from the beginning. He played Noah Puckerman, a.k.a. Puck. He was kind of like the hot bad boy. He had like the mohawk. He was like, I'm too cool for this, but I'm going to do it anyway. Um, I love when a name tells you exactly what the character is going to be. When you said Puck, that was in my head already. That whole description. Yeah. You don't need to know anything more about him other than his name was Puck. Um, I was definitely attracted to him without knowing. Like he was definitely like the hot guy for me. Like Corey Monteith was like, teddy bear cute and then puck was like you're fucking hot like bad boy like hot i never figured you for like being attracted to a mohawk it wasn't like a spiky mohawk it was like shaved shaved on either side and then Mm. like a a mohawk Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah not like spiky dyed dyed hair no dyed 
Okay. It was just like he basically just had had a strip of hair, a buzz cut, and then the rest was sh- like shaved. I was imagining like a neon green. Oh no 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 no, honey girl, no. Bad boy, not like raver clown. Okay. Right. His name is still Puck. Right. Like it's still Puck. Okay. It's not like Cornelius. <laughs> I don't know why that's like the the name of a neon green mohawk guy but like it is <laughs> i love it i'm going with it that's awesome <laughs> cornelius okay so so randomly uh mark salling and naya rivera actually dated for uh-huh. about two two and a half years um at the beginning of the show starting wow this show produced a lot of off-screen couples oh it's it, it there's there's a whole nother one that I'm not even going to talk about tonight about two of the actors who apparently dated. I'm only not talking about it because they weren't in the show until after I started, like, after I stopped watching it. So I don't, like, I'm not that invested. And it kind of deserves its own episode, maybe, is what you're saying? <laughs> no. It's just, like, essentially two actors used to date, and then once they broke up, one of them, like, talked shit on the internet about the other one. Okay. The, like, we'll do it for Patreon. Yeah. But point is, Patreon, Holly Shook... Patreon.com backslash Holly Shook. I still don't know the website. <laughs> um, but point being, yes, a lot of on and off screen couples on this show, which that's a part of Hollywood we don't need to get into right now. Mm-hmm. But a part of Hollywood we do need to get into is the fact that he dumped Naya Rivera in 2010. Allegedly, and, and by allegedly, I mean she wrote about this in her memoir, because his publicist said it's going to be better for your image if you're single. Because he was, like, the hot bad boy. So, like, people are going to like you more if you don't have a girlfriend. Fucked up. But he did it. Um, This is one of those things that we all know happens. But we pretend it's not happening as it happens. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's not even an unspoken thing of Hollywood. Oh, it's spoken about. We all know that a lot of the relationship moves are driven by your career. In Hollywood, yeah. whether it's getting out of them or even getting into them. Yeah. You have speculated that the Camila Cabello Sean Mendez relationship mm-hmm. is career driven. This mm-hmm. is often talked about, but it's funny to me because I feel like in the moment, we sometimes ignore it. We play into the soap opera of it all. He cheated and she cheated. And it's like, well, actually, they're not really into it because it's for their career or. Or they're really breaking up, not because the relationship was bad, but because it was a career move. And they were like on and off, quote unquote, for like the whole time they were dating. So, but that kind of fed into their like image too, because he was like kind of like the hot bad boy and she was kind of like the cool, mean, hot girl too on the show. So it's like, it worked for them. Um, Career moves. But then it's weird because then within the next year, he started dating someone else. So whatever. Um he was dating a Playboy model named Roxanne Dawn. Um, they dated for about a year. She accused him after they broke up of sexual assault in 2011. She said that he forced her to have unprotected sex without her consent. He countersued, saying it was a lie and it was defamation of character. They settled out of court, but rumor has it. He was um, ordered to pay her about two million dollars for that, and then. Oh, so he he's kind of a shitty dude. It's a tip of the iceberg. Um, oh shit! Oh, so, 
Oh, you don't know what happened? I, love I don't it. know this. This is all new. This is all oh new. So this guy's God. a shitty dude. I'm not going to classify him as this, that, or the other. Um, I think he was a troubled guy who had dark, dark demons in him, which probably made him a shitty person. Yes. Mm-hmm. But it's hard. And like, like I said, I'm trying to be respectful of these people and their families and their fans and everything oh no does this get really dark it's dark it's not good it's not good all right all right december 29th 2015 he was arrested on suspicion of having thousands of images of child pornography on his computer an ex-girlfriend tipped off the police they don't know which ex-girlfriend i think we can all kind of assume who it could have been roxanne don yeah but you know, I'm not saying that because... Allegedly. Unnamed. So he was arrested, released almost immediately on $2,000 on bail. But when the search warrant landed, they searched his home and his computer. They found over 50,000 images downloaded between April and December of that year and saved onto his computer. All child pornography. Oh, God. Right. Yeah. This so is he terrible. Was yeah, so that was in uh, that was pretty much it was December twenty ninth, two thousand fifteen. So pretty much beginning of two thousand sixteen. He um, pleaded guilty to I think it was two charges of po- child pornography um, in September of two thousand seventeen, and he was set to be sentenced March seventh of two thousand eighteen. So whatever, within six months of um, pleading guilty. The expected sentencing was um, four to seven years, plus registering as a sex offender, entering a treatment program, and um, for all the children who they could identify on those pictures, monetary, uh, giving those children money. So some sort of compensation. Yeah. Oh, my God. Terrible. <sighs> honey, honey. <laughs> it's not over. <laughs> I'm telling you, this is... this. The Cory Monteith one is just straight up sad. This one's dark. This one's really dark. So, on... I think I've heard of this one. I I think I know where this one's going. Supposed to be sentenced March 7th, about six weeks before that. On January 30th, 2018, he was found hanging from a tree near a creek near his home in Los Angeles. He was 35 years old. He died by suicide. They hadn't heard from him for a while, so they were reported as missing, checked on the home, searched the nearby surroundings, and found him. And I remember hearing about this and just being like, oh my god, that is... I heard about the child pornography things, like, before... I don't know, but do you get what I'm saying now with, like, being like, he's a shitty person? Like, Right. His actions were shitty. Like, what he did was bad, unexcusable... Terrible, terrible, disgusting, bad, terrible, terrible. I'm never, ever, ever, ever going to, like, make an excuse for that or, like, say that it's okay. But the guy obviously had some fucking issues, like, and it's just really, really sad that that's how it happened for him. Um, It's sad on so many fucking levels. It's a jaw-dropping series of events, you know? Yeah. It just got worse and worse as every development happened. It just got worse and worse. Is anybody 
beyond redemption, I think, is the question. And right. maybe that's not for us to say and not for us yep. to answer here. You know, I would say certain war criminals aren't. Right. Committing massive war crimes, killing millions of people. Henry Kissinger, I'm talking to you. We can assume. Could this guy have found some sort of redemption? It's all terrible. Um, it's really, really a dark story, like you said. It's very dark. I'm sorry to make it this dark, but, you know, I'm here to do my job. And this is Hollywood. He, yeah, and it, I found this out today when I was researching. He um, apparently had slit both his wrists a couple weeks before pleading guilty. But after he did it, he immediately like freaked out, called his friend. His friend got him rushed in the hospital. So this was like obviously something he was battling with for a while. And it's just really sad. And I, you know, people have thoughts of suicide all the time. I hope, you know, anyone who is listening to this, who might have had these thoughts, there are ways to get help. There are hotlines. There are, you know, uh, treatment centers. There's a lot of resources out there. I just hope that nobody, even him, and like, I'm once again, never, ever, 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 ever justifying what he did. But I just, I just like try to emphasize that there are other options and there's other, um, you know, ways to continue living. And it makes me really sad that this happens to him. It happens to millions of people every year, every day, whatever. And I just wish people could get the help they need, which is so much easier said than done. And I believe he deserved punishment. He deserved consequences to his terrible, terrible actions. But he also needed help, obviously. And it's really sad. And it's sad if anyone dies, no matter who it is. Because that's just a sad thing. Because everyone has a family. Everyone has friends. It affects more than just you. And I just want everyone to be alive. And I hope no one ever dies again. (laughs) Um, Is my general thesis statement for the podcast. The next one is also very recent. It's a little lighter. It obviously has very, um, it has some serious, not serious, eh, it's serious, serious undertones, but it's definitely on the more uh, fun side. It's Leah Michelle's cancellation, hashtag cancel culture. Uh, this happened just uh, probably a month or so ago, I would think. Um Another one of these scandals where I have a cursory knowledge of it. Okay. Like I kind of saw some headlines, but I never dove deep into it because I didn't know who Leah Michelle was. Oh my God. I was like, who is this Leah Michelle? So I don't care. I'm not going to click on the links. I hope I never have to live in a world where someone doesn't know who Leah Michelle is ever again. Well, you live in this world now, so. I'm not even like a Leah Michelle stan, but I'm just like, you have to know who she is. Um, Now I will know. Tell me. Leah Michelle has famously been known as a diva, mm. um, but it's never been like that address. It's just like little, uh, you know, clamorings behind the scenes. So um, just a few. Uh, and I don't have a date. Okay. But it's like June. It was like June 1st. It was between June 1st and June 4th. Okay. That's all I'm going to say. Um, Samantha Marie Ware, who is an actress on, uh, Glee for I think the last season or the last two seasons uh, responded to Leah Michelle's tweet 
Lee Michelle tweeted basically something like Black Lives Matters, George Floyd, Justice for George Floyd. It's like something very like just basic tweet showing her support for the movement. And Samantha Maria Ware, who is a Black actress, uh, responded saying, remember when you made my first television gig a living hell? Because I'll never forget. I believe you told everyone that if you had the opportunity, you would shit in my wig. (laughs) (laughs) She said, amongst other traumatic microaggressions that made me question a career in Hollywood altogether. Um, So she tweeted that and that just went viral. Like everyone retweeted it. It was just like everywhere. And then in response to that, other people started responding, like saying, yeah, same. And like Amber Riley, who is one of the... It was a break the damn moment. Uh-huh. So it just floods. Mm-hmm. Um, Amber Riley, who was on Glee since episode one, responded with like gifts of her like drinking tea, just being like, basically like, yeah, a lot of other actors from the show like liked it or retweeted it. Um, so they just all hate Leah Michelle. Yeah, and then, so I'm, basically this whole controversy is just uh, all of the actors' responses to this. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So uh, Samantha Ware did did an interview a week or so later with uh, Variety, I think it was. And one of the quotes she said was, it was after I did my first performance, that's when it started, the silent treatment, the stare downs, the looks, the comments under her breath, the weird passive aggressiveness, it all built up. It all built up. Does Leah even know what a microaggression is? I don't know. Um, All that her apology did was affirm that she hasn't learned anything. Am I calling her a racist? No. Does she have recent tendencies? I think she suffers from a symptom of living in this world in an industry that is tailored to white people. So Leah Michelle posted an Instagram apology like a day or two after the initial tweet. (laughs) I can't wait for this. It's so bad. And I quote, One of the most important lessons of the last few weeks is that we need to take the time to listen and learn about other people's perspectives and any role we have played or anything we can do to help address the injustices that they face. When I tweeted the other day, it was meant to be a show of support for our friends and neighbors and communities of color during this really difficult time. But the responses I received to what I posted have made me also focus specifically on how my own behavior towards fellow cast members was perceived by them. I listened to these criticisms and I am learning. And while I am very sorry, I will be better in the future from this experience. Samantha Ware responded, not directly to her apology, but in her own tweet, saying, perceived, perceived, purse, open your purse. And then linked a GoFundMe account for James Skurlock, who is a 22-year-old Black man who was shot and killed just the day before in Omaha, Nebraska. So everyone knew this was in response to Leah's thing. Uh, I I have a couple more people's responses that basically say, I'm not saying she's racist, but I am saying she's just incredibly difficult to work around no matter what, like, color you are. But the microaggressions towards people of color are very prominent. Mm. Essentially... there's so many people that came out just being like, she was the worst person I've ever worked with in Hollywood. Like people just fucking dragged her to hell. <laughs> um, She's a pure diva. Just terrible. So Amber, with maybe a little hint of racism with a hint of racism okay. at minimum. Yes, absolutely. Amber Riley, who's iconic responded. I'm not going to say like in an, she did a podcast and she basically was like, 
let it be known this is the first and last time I will talk about this situation because there are black people being killed every day. Uh, there's police brutality and there's bigger things to talk about other than like a white girl being a diva is essentially what she says. And she hasn't talked about it since. Um, but she said, I'm not going to say Leah Michelle's a racist. That's not what I'm saying. That was the assumption because of what's going on right now in the world. And it happened towards a black person. I'm not going to say that she's racist. She's also pregnant. And I think that everyone needs to chill. You dragged her for a couple days, but at the same time, my in my inbox, there have been a lot of black actors and actresses telling me their stories and letting me the, know they have dealt with the same thing on set, being terrorized by the white girls that are the leads of the show, which is probably very true. Absolutely. Heather Morris responded. Heather Morris played Brittany S. Pierce, who was Nair Rivera's best friend turned love interest. Was she unpleasant to work with? Very much so. For Leah to treat others with the disrespect that she did for as long as she did, I believe she should be called out. And yes, it's also on us because to allow it to go on for so long without speaking out is something else we're learning along with the rest of society. But at the current moment, it is implied that she is racist. And although I cannot comment on her beliefs, I think we're assuming, and you all know what happens when we assume. Um, I also think based on what we know uh, in regards to Hollywood history, Divas generally are divas to everybody. Yes. Because they are the top dog. And nobody touches them. I I don't know anything about Leah Michelle, to be honest. So I don't know if she's racist or not. Um, But I I wouldn't be surprised if, like, the lighting guy who could be a straight white male was on the receiving end of tantrums. Like, I really would not be surprised at all. It is starting to sound like she is just a general monster on set, uh, terrible to work with, totally unpleasant, as you described it. And um, we'll see if if she works again. Based on experience, though, like based on history, Hollywood history, uh, she'll continue to work. I mean, this sounds very Katherine Heigl-esque. Mm-hmm. She'll be off the grid for a year or two, and she'll be back. Right. Catherine Heigl was also labeled a a, a total um, impossibility to deal with on set, and she's still working to this day. Yeah. She's not to the extent that she used to be, though. Um, To speak on that, the next two examples are more so uh, hierarchy-based rather than any microaggression or racism. Uh, Gerard Can Cano Nico, whatever, uh, was an understudy uh, in Spring Awakening, which is the uh, Broadway show that she kind of became really well known for. And he commented on her Instagram apology. Apparently, he commented it, and then someone, de- and then it got deleted. So he commented it again. Seems that my comment's been deleted. So I'll try again. You were nothing but a nightmare to me and my fellow understudy cast members. You made us feel like we didn't belong there. I tried for years to be nice to you to no avail. Maybe actually apologize instead of placing the blame on how others perceive you. You'll probably just delete this anyway, though. And then another actor who was only on one episode of the whole um, Glee show. He appeared on one episode. So he probably was on set for three, four days, whatever. Um, Still felt the wrath of Leah Michelle. He tweeted, he said, girl, you wouldn't even let me sit at the table with other cast members because, and I quote, I didn't belong there. Fuck you, Leah. <laughs> so it, it's as I suspect, right? Um, she, wait, she was the star, right? 
Yeah, she was like the star. Exactly. So, yeah. in her view, she was number one, and mm-hmm. everyone else was beneath her. Mm-hmm. So she treated everyone like shit because she had a superiority complex. Mm-hmm. She had a god complex, and everyone else was not worthy of respect or any sort of dignified treatment um, mm-hmm. because they weren't her, and she was the best and most popular. Yep, and I could see how that mentality that she carries with her everywhere she goes um, also you know, overflows into her microaggressions towards black people. I'm assuming no matter, like, anyone who, anyone who thinks they're that much better than anybody is going to also have racist tendencies towards people of color. So I'm not surprised by this. She has a supremacy tendency. Let's put it mm. that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, sounds like an asshole. Allegedly. Like, allegedly, she sounds like an asshole. Um, she sounds terrible and... It been known, like, if you look at her interviews, like, if you Google interviews by her, she just, like, seems like she's got, she thinks she's God's gift to this earth. She's so pretentious. Um, she's I didn't incredible. even know who she was, Rai. Yeah. I, that's I mean, the litmus test. If, if Armin doesn't know who you are, who are you? Which is, yeah, pretty shocking to me. I mean, I guess she really has not done much since Glee. I'm not going to lie. She's been in, like, a couple TV shows, a couple movies, but like Glee's her thing. Spring Awakening is her thing. Um, Leah Michelle is irrelevant. Um, yeah. And she's officially canceled. Yeah, she'll probably be fine. Um, okay, so I was going to do Naya Rivera's death, but I feel like I just shouldn't. No, Rai, we can't do this whole pod and you not cover the most recent tragedy. Did we talk about it on a past episode? No, we haven't talked about it on this uh, podcast. I guess, I guess we should. Okay. Can I quickly say before you get into it, I watched this clip of her when she was four or five years old on the Arsenio Hall show. I'm not sure if you mm-hmm. watched it. Mm-hmm. Did you see it? I didn't see it, no. But I know what you're talking about. Oh, man. It was it was touching. It was devastating to watch. Uh, clearly such a talented person uh, for her entire life. Uh, yeah. I, I unfortunately you know, didn't get to appreciate uh, her her skills and talent, uh, uh, you know, during her career. I really didn't, you know. I wish I could have, uh, and I I still can. It's out there, obviously. It's permanent, yeah. but um, clearly beloved by so many, um, and it's just such a sad story. Yeah, I mean, I would I would argue that Naya Rivera, other than uh, you know Corey Monteith and Leah Michelle, was like the person of the show. Like she was a breakout star. Her first. The first half of the first season, she didn't really have a part. It was, uh, she was the background dancer who like was in the Glee Club, but like didn't really have a character. She was just like there to fill space during the songs and stuff, you know. And then the second half of the first season, they started giving her and Heather Morris's character like some lines here and there, and then like maybe like a B plot. They're like, oh, you're around. We'll like give you a little bit of character development. And then by the end of season one, she was one of the lead lead characters. Um, and season two, she was promoted to like lead character, like whatever, a series regular. That's what it's called in the industry. Um, and then yeah, her character had that big coming out storyline. Her and um, Brittany S. Pierce apparently got married by the end of the show, which was like chaotic. 
but it was a really big, uh, it was a big character and she was great representation. I've seen a ton of things online about, I already said this, but how her character helped them deal with their own confusion with their sexuality and help them feel comfortable in their own skin. So she really is, um, a huge influence. Um, she was Latina and that was big for a lot of people too, to see, um, not only a strong woman character who's queer and Latina, just a lot going on. And back in the day, you didn't see a lot of that. So, I mean, we still don't see a lot of that. Um, so she's just iconic. Her character's iconic. She's so talented. A lot of clips have been going around about her. Um, and it's just too, too, too bad because she was a very talented person. Um, any hoosers, she married Ryan Dorsey. She had some other boyfriends we're not going to get into. She married Ryan Dorsey. Um, they got divorced, but then they decided to stay together and then they got divorced again. They had a kid together. They had joint custody. The kid's name is Josie. Seem to be very loving co-parents, um, from what I understand. So as you guys all know, this is a very recent story. On July 8th of 2020, um, Naya Rivera was declared a missing person after her four-year-old son was found alone in a boat that uh, Naya had rented previously that day at Lake Peru, which is in uh, Ventura County in California. And a search started. They were like, where is she? Your kid is alone. That's a red flag. Apparently another, another person on another boat drove by and saw the kid sleeping on the boat by himself and you know alerted people there was a search that went on that night they called off the search because it was too dark to continue searching the next morning they continued searching but they kind of switched it from a search party to a recovery um mission which is very sad an adult life jacket was found on board which was believed to be naya she wasn't wearing it and her son was sleeping in a life jacket, so he was wearing a life jacket. Her son told investigators that they were swimming and that his mom had helped him back to get into the boat, but that he that she was unable to climb back on the boat herself and that she, quote, disappeared underwater. He said that his mom was not wearing a life jacket. It later came out that the part of the lake that their boat was in at the time has a nickname called the Narrows, and it's part of the lake that is known for having strong, unpredictable currents mm-hmm. and has had multiple people drown in that part of the lake over the years. So uh, they ended up finding her body on July 10th. Nope, that's a lie. On July 13th, they announced that they had found the body the theory of what happened, obviously it's almost impossible to be able to tell the exact situation, but the theory that happened is that they went swimming. She was not wearing a life jacket, and because of the undercurrents and whatever, um, they had not anchored their boat, and so the boat drifted away from where they originally jumped in the water, and that by the time they swam back to the boat, she kind of was helping her son get back to the boat because of the current it was making it harder to get you know a distance and so by the time they got back to the boat 
she was able to, like, push him up onto it, but she was so exhausted that, like, she kind of just sunk afterwards. Which is tragic, but, like, in a way, it's kind of beautiful because, you know, the human body is incredible and it's resilient. And I like to believe that she was only able to get that far because she wanted to make sure that her son would be okay and would survive. And the second that she knew he was okay was when her body just gave up. Um, that's what I like to think because... But she saved her it, son's life. Yeah, she did. And it's incredibly sad, but, oh. you know, she's an amazing person, an amazing mother, obviously. And she died saving her son's life, honestly. She did. But before they found her body, I read an article that quoted a diver who said that it's quite common for people to get so exhausted trying to get back into boats, to climb back into mm-hmm. boats. Mm-hmm. She must have been so exhausted swimming back to the boat, pushing her son back into the boat, that then climbing into it herself was was too physically taxing to be able to do. And I think what happened was a lot of things went wrong concurrently. Mm-hmm. Any one of those things happen, maybe this tragedy could have been avoided. But it mm-hmm. was the current happening, being with her son, having to get her son back in the boat, not having her life vest, and the 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 physical exhaustion that it took to get even close to the boat to try to climb back into the boat. Mm-hmm. All of that happening, that series of events uh, led to the tragedy. And it's, oh, it's so sad. It's so sad. It's, it feels like it could have been avoided. Yeah, it's just so dark and like it's so tragic because you we've all been in lakes we've all been swimming we've Mm -hmm. all been you know and like you just don't think it will happen to you and god knows she didn't think it would happen to her you know she's so so young and she's so young and she appears to be incredibly fit oh yeah she was banging um she was 33 Mm -hmm. it's just it's just a sad 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 that sad thing um it's also you know, the whole thing of like, oh, her body is missing. We, you know, like I held on to hope for a day or two of like, maybe she just got lost from the boat and she's sitting on shore waiting for someone to like find her type you, thing. You you texted me like an hour after the news broke that she was missing. Yeah. They were like, I, I don't know. I held on to this hope. No, of I like, know. Maybe she just got separated from her boat and maybe went on- to shore or something. Yeah. Did you see the photo of the glee cast on the beach together like holding hands oh no i didn't google that real quick okay Glee beach naya rivera they went to the uh ventura i think they actually went to the ventura county beach that day that she was found oh wow yeah i see it now yeah oh my gosh that's insane i thought it was a moving picture and i never watched glee Oh, that's really sad. Yeah, they're at the they're at the lake. They're at the lake. Right. Oh my gosh, wow. That's fucking depressing. Um the whole thing is really sad. Her last her last picture on Instagram and Twitter is a picture of her cuddling with her son, and I think the caption is like you and me forever or something. Like it's just very very unfortunate and Whenever you lose a life prematurely like that, it, it's it, it's an impossible 
thing to fathom, I think. You yeah. know, uh, so young, in, in her 30s, so much more uh, life to live, you know. And it's not even about, like, the art and the music and the yeah and the creative pursuits that we would have enjoyed. Forget all that. I mean, just just thinking about her family and her son and mm-hmm. all of that, it's, it's so sad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really crazy. Um, point being, hug your loved ones. Live every day to your fullest. We haven't um, done a PSA in a long fucking time. Not to make light of this, right? But we haven't done a PSA. Okay. We, we were famous for PSAs. We were leaders in the PSA industry. And, and this is a really good one that, that you started. Hug your loved ones. Please go on with that PSA. I just want to label it a PSA. PSA for um, those who only know how to live their life via PSAs. Um, PSA, hug your loved ones. Take advantage of every day you're given. Um, Life is short. Do what you want to do. Why waste time doing some stupid shit that doesn't mean anything to you? Because as we learned today... Through this Glee cast curse. Uh, Things can be taken from you very quickly. And it sucks. And I think in the current climate, I think a lot of us are doing a lot of introspective thinking. And thinking about the bigger picture. And at the end of the day, the bigger picture is what you got going right now for you. And I hope we can all just be happy to live another day and to have friends to record podcasts with and listeners who criticize how many times I say like and um you know I got to be grateful for the little things appreciate all the five star reviews and the one star reviews honestly i appreciate the one star reviews even more because that's those are more fun because they're fucking hilarious <laughs> if you guys haven't read our reviews on iTunes it's a good time um not not to by the way make this moment about us but no, this is so not about us. It never has been. Um, but anyway, I've been really... Uh, anyway, sorry for like such a dark... Po- I, when I What's when wrong I, with you? <laughs> when I started doing this, I was like, oh, it'll be like bits about Glee. And then I realized... <laughs> like, <laughs> This is going to be a fun time. <laughs> I didn't think it'd be like fun, but I like... Thought I would at least have more opportunity for bits about Glee, but then, of course, you don't watch Glee, so I'm just bidding with myself. Right. Um, I mean, this, I mean, look, listen, not to make light of anything here. Yeah. But but these are the facts. You just, you just did a a Holly Shook, uh, a historic celebrity scandal podcast in which four of the five, you decided, you know, I'm going to do five scandals in one, and in four (laughs) of the five scandals, someone died. Okay, when you and you wanted it to be a bit heavy, fun podcast. Of course, it was going to be devastating. I'm devastated now. I'm going to finish the rest of that bottle of wine. When you put it that way, it seems very morbid. But like I said, I was paying tribute to the cast, paying tribute to the show, and just like how important it was to me as a young closeted gay man in high school slash beginning of college. And everyone, take advantage of your life. And (laughs) no, right? Seriously, all jokes aside, I think I think. I think you did glee justice here. I think Ryan Murphy would be proud. I think Ryan Murphy is listening right now. Hey, Ryan Murphy. Hey, girl. If you want to cast us in the third season of The Politician, I think we have a role to play. I'd be done. 
all that aside, uh, right? You really did do a great job, I think, of honoring <laughs> the cast and the show. Seriously. Thank you. Yeah, I'm sorry. I I, I didn't mean for it to be this dark. I promise. I'm, I'll do the stupidest fucking most non-consequential scandal next time I do one. I promise. It's going to be so stupid. I actually already know which one I'm going to do. History is tragic, though, Ryan. We can't ignore our history, right? I know, but also me being like, oh my god, I miss doing historic scandals, and then just being like so depressed the whole time. So that's who I am as a person right now. It's been a rough... <laughs> been a rough go of it recently so just like let me live <laughs> it's reflective of our current circumstances yeah. yeah well thanks everyone for listening um if you're still listening and not like crying in the corner um of sadness um we appreciate could be doing it. both let us know any of your favorite glee moments um best glee tributes armin thank you for um listening to me ruin your evening <laughs> i hope it, i hope it was um Something you can bounce back from. We'll see. I'll let you know tomorrow morning. Yeah, LMK. Um, and if you guys want to support us on Patreon, we do have a Patreon where we do exclusive podcasts throughout the month, and it can be found at uh, we can be found at patreon.com backslash Holly Shook. I always want to do hollyshook.com slash Patreon, but that's not what it is. Um, and you can support us there if you are enjoying these. I promise they're usually not as sad. And yeah, we appreciate everyone who listened. And don't stop believing. That's the first iconic Glee song from that first episode. Oh, really? Oh my God, Armin. Everybody knows that Glee became famous because of their cover of Don't Stop Believing. It's iconic. I didn't know that. I, I didn't know that. <sighs> I'm... <sighs> Hold on to that feeling. Yeah, but you don't know the Glee version. The Glee version's so good. How does it go? Um, How does it go? Okay, well, I'm going to go listen to the Glee soundtrack and hate who I was as a person at 16. Um, thank you for listening, and we will talk to you guys later.